Welcome to It's All About the Questions, where learning to ask the right questions can help you achieve lifelong success. Now, here to help you ask all the right questions is award-winning author, international speaker, and business strategist, Laura Stewart. Afternoon and evening, everyone. It is so great to be here today um, for many, many, many reasons, which I'm not going to get into on today's show. But I am live here in the studio, and it is a beautiful day here in Vero Beach, Florida. For those of you who have been dealing with ice storms and lots of other frigid cold weather, come down to Vero. We love you, but not too many of you at the same time because we don't like traffic down here. Today, I have um, a fun guest on. Because Karen is somebody that, as an author, I love people who can help you figure out how to market your books better. Um, my book's been selling What Would a Wise Woman Do? Questions to Ask Along the Way has been on bestseller lists for um, three over three years now. But it's not an easy process. It's something you have to constantly work at. And I, I talk to a lot of authors who have no idea how to get their books selling or seen or get Amazon to notice them or any of the other places, get into a bookstore, whatever they may want to do. And I don't know if you're aware of it, but the majority of books sell less than 500 copies in their entire lifetime. So it's, even, and that's whether it's a published book with a named publisher or whether it's been self-published. So I thought today we could talk to my friend, Karen Dimick. She's the author of the best-selling book, 47 Mind Hacks for Writers, and the host of the upcoming Book Marketing Summit, which is free, by the way. She co-founded BookAuthority.com and is known as an author, tech, and reader engagement specialist. And that is so important because not only do you need to write your book and make it a good book that people, you know, want to read all the way through, but you need to engage your readers and get them to be your biggest fans and they create the viral effect for your book. So Karen, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. I, I you know, I love the British accent, especially since you live on the other coast of Florida. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's a great place to be. <laughs> every, every time I, I talk to you, I keep expecting you to be, you know, in London or or someplace like that. And then I go, wait, no, she lives like three hours away from me. <laughs> I actually grew up in Hong Kong, so that's kind of more where the accent comes from, but yeah. <laughs> wow, you know, I did not know that you grew up in Hong Kong. That's very, very cool. I have I have a good friend in Singapore, um, and I've always wanted to visit that part of the world. It's stunning. <laughs> I, I, I bet it is, and I bet you've seen a lot of change from when you grew up in Hong Kong to now. Oh, yeah, lots. <laughs> that's probably a whole other book you could write, just about that. <laughs> it probably is, you're right. <laughs> So how did you get to be an author, um, engagement, and and tech person? I mean, I knew you from back when you were doing a lot of web stuff and different things like that, but you've really gotten this focus around um, authors. And, And I love, number one, the title of your latest book, 47 Mind Hacks for Writers. Yeah. Well, I started out, as you said, in sort of like the tech space, and uh, I started there straight out of college, really, in sort of 92. And um, from there, I think it was about two years ago, possibly, we decided that we'd been freelancing for a long time, and we'd learned a lot, not surprisingly. And we thought we'd put together a book about succeeding with your freelancing business. And in the process of doing that, I just fell in love with writing. (laughs) So we decided to sort of swap our focus, because a lot of the people that we've been helping with the tech stuff had been authors. So we swapped our focus to just focus on authors. 
And then I started sort of writing around that topic. And I managed to pull in, I'm sort of like my, my other background, which is all around mindset and helping people sort of change their mindset to get the results they want. And so I sort of put the two together and that's where this 47 Mind Hacks for Writers came from. You know, everybody, it's like the latest buzzword is mindset, 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 mindset. Yeah. How do you define mindset and why do you think it's so critical to success of all kinds? Well, mindset to me, it it, it is responsible for everything you do. Um, I actually studied um, some neurology because I was a chiropractor as well along the way. And um, one thing I found with neurology is our nervous system, which includes our sort of, you know, our brain and our thinking, is very much like a computer. You put the same sort of like input in and you get the same result out. And there's no exceptions to the rule when it comes to neurology. So the same comes with mindset. If you have that programming, which is, you know, your sort of your beliefs, your values, your morals, your um, everything that you sort of experience, your past emotions and everything, if you put input through that programming, it will come out the same whatever happens on the other end. The only way you can change the result is to change that programming in the middle. So it's changing that mindset, changing if you've got a belief or a limit around something, or maybe you've got sort of an overall upper limit as in you're not allowing yourself to be um, overall a certain amount of happiness and you're not allowing yourself to have more than that. So when one area of your life sort of like takes off, another area, because of your mindset, has to come down a bit and, and so on. So getting all of that mindset the way you want it is realistically the only way you can get that end result that you want. Is there a difference between mindset and willpower? Very much so. They've actually proven with research that willpower has a limit as in you only have a certain amount that you can use each day. So your, your willpower is kind of like, I'm going to override this and I'm going to do it, you know, no matter what I want to do, I'm going to do this. And it sort of works up until kind of, you know, around sort of mid-afternoon and then seems to run out. Um, it's one of the reasons like Steve Jobs used to wear the same clothes every day. So it's one less decision that he had to make. And so uses a little bit less of his willpower every day. So he had more for the rest of the day kind of thing. Whereas mindset, it just, it guides you mostly at the subconscious level. So you're not even aware that it's guiding you, but it guides everything. And so once your willpower's run out, that's it. There's nothing you can do. The mindset is, is there underneath it, you know, running everything basically. Um, A lot of people have trouble with getting their mindset to become a process that's always there. You know, I I think they stay in willpower versus mindset and they don't understand why they can't maintain things. I know I'm I'm going through something right now myself with uh, food. I've been since June following this wonderful macronutrient um, program and this uh-huh. last like week, because I've been feeling very, very tired and, and just not 100% and a lot more pain, I've been eating a lot of crap. And all along, I've had trouble hitting my, my numbers. And I'm starting yeah. to realize that I've not shifted some key mindset piece, reprogrammed that, and I'm still living in the willpower. So yeah. 
how does somebody make that that switch happen? I mean, is there an easy way of doing it? Um, there is and there isn't. I mean, the first step is possibly the hardest, is and you've got to find out what it is that the problem is. So the thing that I sort of like help people do is, or sort of used to help people do with this anyways, and is like you want to sit down and work out what it is that's driving you. Um, so sit down, write out why you want to eat crap in this instance, um, what that means to you, what what is it um, have, you know, sort of like, is, is it, is there a reason behind why you want to write it is what you want to get, uh, why you want to eat it is what you want to get to. So um, does it make you feel safe? Is it something in sort of like um, your childhood that you associate, I don't know, whatever it is, macaroni and cheese or something with, you know, feeling self safe around mum kind of thing. Um, so write out sort of the steps, everything you can think of that relates to that and to, into that food um, and try and sort of tie the two up together and eventually you will come up with some kind of belief or limit that is pointing you at why you do what you do. Um, and it could be that there is like a secondary benefit to it so if you eat that, then you don't have to um, go out and, I don't know, do the housework or something because you don't feel well enough and you didn't want to do the housework. So therefore, keeping yourself not feeling well is a way to get around that. Does that make sense? It, it makes a lot of sense. And that relates a lot to somebody wanting to write a book and make a book successful beyond the traditional 500 copies that get sold. If somebody's yeah. trying is thinking about writing a book, which I have a lot of people who listen to the show that want to, they need to understand what is driving them to write that book as well. Correct? Definitely, because that's one of the one of the key problems when people start writing is they come up against procrastination and writer's block. And one of the causes of procrastination is that you don't want to actually get that end result. Um, so you're sort of procrastinating so that you don't write because once you finish, well, your chores that your husband or wife or whatever has taken over while you write will come back to you and you don't want to do them. Um, or perhaps once you've finished, you now have to own up to being an expert and you don't feel like an expert. All those kind of sort of beliefs behind the scene are responsible for the inability to actually sit down and write. So understanding your why, your driver... Yeah. helps you get through writer's block. It definitely does. That's a, a very large part of it. Um, another part could be maybe you don't actually want to write the book. Maybe it wasn't your idea. Maybe it was somebody who said, you know what, you really need to write a book. And you thought, yeah, that's a good idea. I suppose I should. And you're basically shooting on yourself, as, as my husband calls it. So because of that, you're not actually 100% committed and if you commit even 99%, there's always that 1% that's sort of sitting there in the back of your mind niggling, and maybe this is the 1% where I don't have to do whatever it is. And so you need to, to be able to write a book, you need to commit that 100% to it. And if it isn't your idea to begin with, it's much, much harder to commit that 100%. Yeah, I just gave a speech the other night to a woman's group here in town and I took them through an exercise of their why, you know, asking why five times 
around something. And one of the biggest things I say to them is, okay, after you figured out your why, then say, is that your goal for yourself or somebody else's goal for you to, to see where that's coming from. I love the whole idea of it around the book because so many people say you should write that book, but it might not be where your passion or, or your heart is. And we're going to go into our first commercial break. Everybody, I'd like you to think about if you're thinking about writing a book, say to yourself, what is my why for writing this book? And is it my idea to write this book or somebody else's for me? We'll be right back with more from Karen Dimmick, author of 47 Mind Hacks for Writers. Success comes from not only what you know, but also who you know. Welcome back to It's All About the Questions with award-winning author Laura Stewart. Welcome back, everyone. We are here with Karen Dimmick, author of the best-selling book, 47 Mind Hacks for Writer, and host of the upcoming Book Marketing Summit. So, Karen, before the, the break, we were talking about mindset versus willpower. Now let's add yeah. in mind hack. What is a mind hack? Well, a mind hack, if you think about, sort of, like I said, your brain operates like a computer, And if you're writing software, you tend to leave yourself a back door. And if someone wants to hack into it, they are trying to find that back door. Well, it's the same with your mind. There's a back door to all of that software in your mind, all that software you set up for yourself as as a kid or your parents have set up for you and so on. It's all that way of thinking. So it's about finding that back door and hacking in and changing the programming behind the scenes. Um, So... One of the ways you can do that is something called a reframe. Now, if you think of, say, a hotel, you, know, you go into a hotel, it's an old hotel, and you look around, and you've got two choices. You can either see it, see it dependent again on your programming, as kind of old and icky and really sort of outdated and not very nice. But another person standing next to you might be seeing the exact same hotel, and because of their programming, they might be thinking, oh, it's retro, it's historical, it's quaint. And it's just the difference of that programming. So you can take that programming and reframe it and make make your mind, instead of seeing like that old and icky, make it see the retro historical. So you can do the same with a belief, say, around, around writing and procrastination. And you can take that way you're looking at things and reframe it to look at it a different way, which then releases that block and allows you to carry on writing that makes sense? It, it does. So give me an example of a mind hack for a writer. Okay. Well, one of the ones I came up with in the book, and I actually had this, so I actually wrote this mind hack specifically for myself and then put it in the book, was somebody came up with the belief of why would an influencer want to meet me? Because you want to meet these influencers. You want to contact them and you know, sort of get their help at promoting your book, for instance. And so you come up with a belief of, well, why would they want to meet me? And I sat and looked at that and thought, well, why would they want to meet me? And which is why I wrote the mind hack. And the reframe became because you don't know where else you can help them. It's not just the writing that you're contacting them for. Maybe you've been, say, a chiropractor and you know about pediatric chiropractic and they've got a kid who has, permanent ear infections and you know exactly how to help them with their kid and you can point them in the right direction to help their kid solve the problem and that's that influencer's current biggest problem. So they are definitely going to want to meet you and so it's a case of working out 
why else they might want to meet you. That's what I mean by the, the reframe and that mind hack. And after that, you're thinking, well, okay, so why else would they want to meet me? Okay, they maybe, they maybe do want to meet me. And so that allows you to kind of get your book out there and reach out to them without that block in the way. Okay, let me rephrase that a little bit to help me understand that one a little bit better. So it's what value can you provide to them that they may not realize you have beyond what you're trying to get them to do for you? Yeah, um, and it's, it's, it's seeing that in, in your mind kind of thing, um, as in why... Um, how do I rephrase this? Um, <laughs> what else can you do for me? Don't sort of come to them from a point of view of I'm a writer and I have nothing to offer them because they're, say, a New York Times best-selling author. Um, so it's going to be a one-way thing. It's You've got your whole life. You're unique. No one else has your experiences. So you come from a point of, of like abundance and the whole of your experiences that is what you have to offer them. You don't just have to offer them your book. Yeah. Yeah. I get that. I get that a lot. It's one of the biggest things, you know, as a radio host is getting guests on the show. And I've always looked at it as, well, you know what, if I don't ask them to to be on the show, then they can't say yes. My dad always went with the philosophy of that. And when I first started the show a couple of years ago, when it was an internet radio show versus uh, more traditional broadcast like it is now, I was like, oh, I can't, I can't approach that person. What do I have for them? And then I went, wait a minute, I've got a broadcast radio show. <laughs> you know, it's a platform for somebody to uh, be out there. And then I've had a couple of bigger guests and I've had a couple of big guests say no and I realized it wasn't them that's saying no it's their gatekeeper who had a perceived value that I wasn't going to be able to provide for them for their audience because it wasn't what they wanted to do and the first time somebody said no to me I was like do you even not realize what I am and who I am and the ratings of the show and all the other stuff and then I finally said you know what doesn't matter I asked they said, no, I can go back to them later on, but there's a hundred other guests waiting to be on my show. So exactly. it, it was a matter of a mind hack for me of letting go what no meant as yeah. well. Yeah. No doesn't necessarily mean, no, you're crap. No means no, then you are not right now the right opportunity for me. Yeah, and I and I had somebody I went back to and later on and they were like, Yeah, we'd love to be on your show. It's yeah. it's a timing thing in some cases. It's got mm-hmm. nothing to do with whatever I put around it, however I framed it, like you said with the house, that I'm not worthy of them being on my show. It it probably had nothing to do with me. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely nothing to do with you. Okay, so what's just a case of their timing. All right, so give me another mind hack for writers okay um what i think of um oh um (laughs) (laughs) i know they're so close to you you can't think of one to say (laughs) yes um (laughs) i'm just trying to think um all right right, around book marketing um, give me a mind hack around around marketing 
Okay. Um, most people don't like to put themselves out there because they see, they've had experience with selling of like sleazy salesmen. And so they think that if they have to sell their book, that actually that makes them sleazy. And that's the block, that's the limit that you want to get round. The, the hack is, let's say, you know, you've got um, Joe Bloggs who desperately, desperately needs the topic that your book covers. If you don't put yourself out there and tell them about it, you're actually hurting Joe because he's now sitting there searching for this solution. You have that solution and you're selfishly not telling them that you have that solution. So now how do you feel about selling your book to Joe? Oh, I love that. That is a perfect way to go into the news break. All right. So the question everybody needs to ask themselves right now is... Who needs to know about your book? Is there a, a blogger? Is there a store? Is there somebody that you haven't asked that can benefit their audience with your book? And we'll be right back with more from Karen Dimmick on It's All About the Questions. Welcome back, everyone. We are here with Karen Dimmick, who's teaching us a whole bunch of different questions we need to be asking ourselves around mindset versus willpower and also about Mind Hacks for Writers. She's the author of the best-selling book, 47 Mind Hacks for Writers, and the host of the upcoming Book Marketing Summit. She also co-founded BookThority.com, and I, I love the Mind Hacks you've been sharing with us so far. You, you shared two. Can you share one more with us, uh, a Mind Hack for a Writer? Sure. Um, it's around competition, because most people... When it comes to especially nonfiction, they think that competition is something that's scary. You know, there's a book out there already. Why would anyone want another one on it? Yeah, you know, kind of what I'm going with. I, I do know. I see people with businesses all the time, not just books, saying, well, but there's another book out and it's by somebody bigger than I am. So why should exactly. I write that? Exactly. And it's a perceived so, that they're bigger than they are. Yeah, it is because that perception is based off of basically their kind of, you know, Twitter feed, Facebook feed, where they're sharing all their wins and not their losses. So <laughs> it's a very perceived perception. But either way, you've got that, you know, someone has that problem of they see competition as something as scary. And actually, when it comes down to it, competition, especially in a book and even in a business, if there is somebody already out there doing it, they've been that pioneer. They've had the arrows in their back. They've worked out the hard way, what the audience likes, what the audience doesn't like. You now have the opportunity to go in, read all their reviews or business testimonials and see what people aren't liking and how you could therefore do it better. And then if you write a book, you can write it with the view of, well, this is what they really wanted because they didn't want, you know, they, they didn't like the lack of exercises in the book or they didn't like um, the lack of the, the workbook that accompanied it and things like this, or they didn't like the amount of fluff there was. <clears throat> Excuse me. And so now you can write your book with that point of view of, of appealing to those people who didn't like what your competition wrote. And you now then have an audience that you can now approach and say, guess what? This book came out and, <clears throat> and it actually fulfills what you didn't like about the other one. And not only that, you can now go to your competitor's as such and say you know what we both have the same audience people want to read more than one book a year how about we promote each other to both of our audience and double our sales 
So thinking about competition in a different way really allows you to expand that book and, and your business. I, I love that perspective shift on it. I, I never look at people as competition myself. I always look at them as peers and that they have something to offer me. When when my book came out, What Would a Wise Woman Do? It came out just before Sheryl Sandberg's book, Lean In, came out, uh, about four months before her book launched. But she was, you know, like the book was sort of up on Amazon, but it wasn't for sale yet. And Mika Brzezinski had a book coming out, Know Your Value, and Arianna Huffington was going to be launching her book, Thrive, which she launched the next year. And I had the yeah. opportunity to meet Arianna Huffington and, and Mika Brzezinski, and I walked out to them, and I thanked them, and they couldn't understand why I was thanking them. I said, because when your books came out, it drove sales up of my book. Yeah. And yeah, it was different topics. Work. We were in women in business in the category women in business, but their sales and all of their marketing that they were doing was driving people to um, Amazon's website and Barnes and & Noble and all these other places. And I had done my marketing, which had my book as a top-reviewed book and wish list and all this other stuff. So when they were looking for Sheryl Sandberg's book or Mika Brzezinski's, my book was always being seen on the same Amazon page. So... Yeah, I sold a lot more books. So competition can be a good thing as long as you've got your marketing right. Exactly. You have to be able to stand out and know why you're different. But if you've done that, it's, it's an awesome thing having that competition in quotes. <laughs> <laughs> so you've sold now since 47 Mind Hacks came out. I think you've sold over 1,300 books in a little over a month. Correct. Okay. Now, walk us through a piece of how you made that happen? Well, there's actually quite a lot of things that went into it. We, um, when I look back, I, I always try and dissect what I've done. And so when I look back, one of the things that we did was, was we actually did a lot of research beforehand and worked out what the market wanted. Because it's great having a book, but if no one wants it, you're not going to sell any copies of it. So you want to know before you write that someone actually wants to buy it. And so we did a lot of research into what people wanted. Um, we asked them what blocks they were struggling with and so that I could write the content to those blocks so that I was actually addressing issues that people had. Um, and so a lot of that is like knowing that you've got your market right and then working out, say, your keywords so that these are the words that people type into Amazon or Google specifically to look for a solution. And... So having that in the right place in your book so that Amazon goes, oh, well, would you like this book perhaps? And your book comes up. Having that all set up before you start writing and knowing what you're going to do makes a huge difference because now you have the potential to have book sales. And then after that, we made sure, obviously, things like, you know, it was written, edited professionally, uh, formatted well, and we got a good cover so it actually attracts people all the kind of usual things that you do to make that book convert. And then after the uh, published date kind of thing, after we got it out, we had a launch team to get, like you said, that social proof out there that this was a good book. I had 15 people sort of pitch in and read it and put a review up on day one so that new people come, come into the book weren't, weren't sort of seeing a ghost town, if you like. Um, they could see that other people had liked it. And once one person likes it, other people are 
more willing to give it a go. So that social proof helped just to give it that nudge at the beginning. And then after that, we did um, quite a few paid promos. We had sort of some promo stacking going on whereby we had sort of one promo one day, then another one the next day, another one the next day, and then perhaps two the day after and so on, just to keep the eyes on the book and get it out there into the public because it needs that sort of nudge at the beginning. You know, once, once it's out there and people are talking about it, the word of mouth is getting out. And say you've done some guest posts and some podcasts, you have your own podcast. All of that kind of keeps it going. But to get it out there, you really need something along the lines of promos or paid advertising. So we went the promo route. And we had, I'm not even sure how many, about 10, 15 possibly different promos all lined up one after the other just to get it out there and get people talking about it. Describe a promo. Um, a promo, uh, Buck Books is a promo for um, writers. And basically your book has to be 99 cents, i.e. a buck. And they have a list, I'm not even sure how many, but sort of several tens of thousands of people who've all signed up to hear about books from Buck Books. And perhaps they said, oh, I like nonfiction books. And maybe they said, I like fantasy books or something like this. So they've signed up to two different lists. And so your book goes in, you pay your money to Buck Books, and they send it to the relevant category. So in mine, they would have sent it to the nonfiction people. And then they get basically an email a day from Buck Books saying, oh, look, these are the books that I could get, and they're only a buck each. I'll go and you know, click the link, go to Amazon and buy it because it's on sale. And uh, that was one of the ones we did. We actually got 144 sales on the day that we did Buck Books. In terms of cost for something like a Buck Books, how much does it cost to, to do some sort of promotion with them? They vary. Uh, there's one guy on Fiverr, BK Knights on Fiverr, and his you can do for five bucks. And we went for the 10 buck version, so he did sort of like his Twitter feed and his email list. And I think the most expensive one we did was 25 bucks. Um, you know, there are others that are a lot more. Um, but they, you have to apply to them. Uh, that's a book bub is a, a big one. And uh, you're lucky to get one kind of thing, but they cost hundreds of dollars as well. Um, I didn't even apply for that. I just sort of stuck at the small end at the beginning. So, Is this why you decided to create your book marketing summit? Because of all of these things that you've learned in all the years that you've been helping other people market their books and then marketing your own books? Is that why you decided to create it? It is part of why. I mean, I've got a lot of author friends, and, and the biggest question I hear is, how do I market my book? And so that's the reason I decided to create the summit. And then I've been recording the summit sessions for roughly around the last three months. So what I've learned, I actually put into this book launch. Um, so it wasn't a case of, you know, I, I knew it beforehand and you know, then I decided to do the summit. I actually learned from these speakers on the summit already and put that into practice. And now I've kind of included a session where I said, well, this is what I got from this person and this is the difference it made in sales and things. So kind of tied the two together and it was um, there's 30 other speakers other than my bonus session. And every single one of them is covering a different topic. And there are just so many different things that you have to think about think about with it. There's a guy talking about the research. There's someone else talking about how to get podcast interviews. There's someone else talking about 
about how to guest post, someone else talking about how to launch, someone talking about how to keep book sales going. And I basically put all of this stuff, or as much as I could, into practice with this one book. Um, and the rest, once I get some more books and I can do things like series and box sets and, and once I raise the price and can do paid advertising like Facebook ads, all of that will come in, but I haven't done it yet. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, there was, there's a lot of different stuff on there all to help people market that book because that is an author's biggest problem. Yeah, not only the initial marketing, but the ongoing marketing because a lot of people do that upfront. That, that promo stacking and everything you talk about, and then they're like, okay, I'm tired. I'm not going to do it, I guess, because they haven't switched their mindset yet, as we talked about in the yep. beginning. They're still working in willpower, and you just get really tired after a while. Yeah. It's yeah. a, it's a constant um, reframing that you need to do, which is one of the mind hacks you talked about in the very beginning. So we're going into our last commercial break, and uh, Karen, when we come back, let's, let's talk a little bit more about some of the things you learned with the Book Marketing Summit. We'll be right back. Sure. Success comes from not only what you know, but also who you know. Welcome back to It's All About the Questions with award-winning author Laura Stewart. Karen, I want to thank you because as I was jotting down my notes during the break, I realized that um, I needed to work on a couple of mind hacks myself around marketing. I needed to go back on Amazon and change a few things for my What Would a Wise Woman Do book. And um, yeah. And I'm also needing to ask myself my why around, why am I not hitting my macronutrients with my food? (laughs) From our initial part of our conversation around mindset versus willpower. So thank you for that. You've shifted me, which is um, one of the things I love about this show. So thank you. Good. You're welcome. All right. People are asking me a a couple of things that they want to know. Number one, they want to know more mind hacks. And I'm going to highly recommend everybody get your book, 47 Mind Hacks for Writers. Um, but before we go over another mind hack, what, uh, uh, with your book marketing summit, Mm -hmm. is there any one thing that really stood out for you? Any common message that sort of came through from all the people that you interviewed for the summit? Build a list. Build a list. Okay. And that's different than have a list, right? It's build a list. You don't have to have one to start, but build it. Yes, we started with seven, one of which was my mom. <laughs> you don't need to have one. You need to build one for the long term. Right, and some of the biggest people started out with no list, right? Everyone starts with no list. It's, you can't start anywhere else. You can't buy a list. No, you can. It's just not very effective most of the time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Not one that's worth anything. So, but, yeah. but that leads you to, to your mind hack around competition, you can yeah. get a list by figuring out who can benefit from oh, yeah. what you're saying in your book, right? So you don't have to have yeah. your own list. You just have to know people that have a list. And then that list can become your list, right? Exactly. That's, how you, that's one of the ways to build that list is do that influencer reach out. Okay. When is the Book Marketing Summit? Because I really want everybody who is a writer, wants to be a writer, is an author, you've got a book you want to do, has a book that hasn't been selling. I, I just think this is such a great summit. I know a lot of the people that are on it, a number have been, have been guests on my show, including like Ken Heron, David Ralph, Linda Sterling, Jackie Lappin. So many amazing people are going to be on this. David Hancock, um, my, my publisher. 
is also yep. doing one of the keynotes for the summit. So people want to know when is this summit and how did they go about registering for it? The summit, the live kickoff is on the 29th of January and the sessions actually run 30th of January to the 5th of February. And to sign up, you just want to go to thebookmarketingsummit.com. Okay, that's pretty simple, thebookmarketingsummit.com. And also yeah. on uh, my website, you'll be able to, and it's all about the questions.com on the blog for this show. There'll be a link directly off of there for people as well, just in case. But thebookmarketingsummit.com. I, I love it. So it's January 29th, and then the, oh, yeah. uh, the individual interviews go from the 30th to February 5th. And it's free, yeah. right? Yep, it is free to watch. A video will go up, say, day one, and you can watch it for 48 hours, two days. So you can watch all of day one's videos on day one and day two. After that, they're going to go into a vault, um, and we're gonna, we have an upgrade that people can buy. Um, but you can watch them all free uh, for that 48 hours. I love that you're doing it for 48 hours. So many people do these summits, and you have 24 hours, and, and I'm like, oh, my God, I... I I know that I want to do this, but 24 hours, it's really hard to sort of fit it in. So 48 is great. So yes. thanks for doing that for people. Oh, cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, what's something that you can advise my listeners to do in, say, the next hour? So we're on live right now from 11 to noon Eastern. Um, so say from noon to 1 Something that they can do, okay. or if you're listening on the podcast, because I have people all over the world listening to the podcast, whenever you listen to this, what's something that you th advise people to do in the next hour to step things up for this coming year? Okay. Uh, well, two things, depending on where they are. If they haven't got a book, I would suggest sitting down and writing out everything that they could possibly write a book about, topic-wise. You know, so they could write, um, I don't know, a cookbook. Um, they could write a dog training book. They could write a leadership book because they're in a position in their company where they're in leadership. Anything like that. Write down every single topic that you could possibly think of writing a book around. And then you can look in after that to start working out which of those topics will meet your goals for a book, which of those topics would help you progress to where you want to get, and which of those topics people are actually looking for because not every topic is suitable for a book. Um, if you have a book, then I would start to look at how you can market it better. Um, obviously, one of the things I'd suggest you do is signing up for the summit. Um, after that, I would look into how you can improve, say, either your book title and make it go with those keywords that people are looking for. Um, and if you don't know your keywords, then you should be searching for your keywords and then you can put them in your book title or subtitle. If you've already done that, then I would start looking at making your book description, you know, that sort of text you write on Amazon that someone sees when they come to your book page and make that more persuasive and remember to include that call to action at the end because they might have read your thing and then say the kid calls or the dog has to go out and they've walked away and they come back and they're like, why was I reading this again? having that little call to action right at the bottom saying, if you want to solve procrastination, get this book now, simply click the button on the right. Just helps them take that action. So, yes, yeah, depending on where they are, that's what I would advise them to do. 
All right, that's perfect. So everybody has a, a great list of things that they can do right now to help them. Those are some of the different mind hacks that Karen has put together in her best-selling book, 47 Mind Hacks for Writers, and the host of the upcoming Book Marketing Summit, which you can register for free at at thebookmarketingsummit.com. So, Karen, I want to thank you so much for being on the show today. Is there a last mind hack you want to share with my audience? Sure. Um, this is one that I've come across a lot, and it's more for the people who are starting out. It also applies to authors as well, but the people who are starting out, a big one I found um, that people came up with was, I'm not good enough. And, you know, it can apply to anything, but I'm not good enough to be a writer. Well, the, the problem with that is you're comparing yourself to other people's, like, highlight reel, if you, want, if you want to call it that. You're looking at their Facebook feed and going, oh, my goodness, they're so successful. But you're not seeing the real them behind it. So that's where that's stemming from. So the way to get around that is to say, I'm not good enough compared to what? What are you actually comparing it to? Because let's take it from a writer's standpoint. I'm not good enough compared to Jane Austen. Well, did you seriously think that the first thing she wrote was Pride and Prejudice? <laughs> the first thing she wrote was probably pretty awful. Yeah? Probably. So compare your first with their first. Don't compare your first with their finished product. So if you're not already laughing at yourself thinking about what you're comparing it to, the next thing you can do is kind of look at where, where your skills will take you and stuff. Um, so um, how do I say this? Um, <laughs> I, I think you said it, said it beautifully. You know, it's don't compare yourself, your first step to somebody's end game or 50th step. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, compare yourself apples to apples, oranges to oranges um, and start where you are. Don't, don't worry about where other people are. Start where you are. I love that. That's a perfect way to close the show. Thank you for being on the show today. Thank you. And remember, everybody, start where you are. And if you're having trouble figuring out where to start, you can sign up for the Book Marketing Summit and figure out where you need to go with marketing or reach out to me and I can help you ask the right questions because remember, the right questions truly can change your life. So what are you asking yourself today? Have a great day, everyone. And what do you want to do with the rest of your life? You've been listening to It's All About the Questions, starring Laura Stewart. Connect with Laura at itsallaboutthequestions.com and download a free workbook that will help you ask better questions starting today.